Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode 116, 168 as we look back at week number 16 in the NFL. It sure was a blur. Uh, week 16 is always fun to you know follow your Dynasty teams during the week of Christmas. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed your time with your friends and family and your fantasy football experience over the weekend. I'm sorry to say that I only enjoyed one of the two. My time with family was fantastic, fantastic, but my fantasy experience was terrible. Uh, sadly, I did not make a Super Bowl in any one of my 10 leagues this year. I can't really remember the last time that, that happened. Last season, I won three Super Bowls. This year, I'm not even playing in one. Uh, this week's been harder than usual to remind myself that it's a joy to watch fantasy football, um, but I'm doing my best to remember that I had a fun season and try to shift my attention to the offseason like Dynasty Freaks do, uh, developing their teams during the offseason. Honestly, it's easier said than done this week, but I know that you feel the same way if you're still listening after having lost and been frustrated by losing. Uh, I do appreciate your support and glad that you're still listening, but we do want to still talk some football because... That's what we do is Dynasty Freaks. After following all the games of Week 16, uh, here are some of my thoughts on some of the teams and players and situations and how they affect Dynasty rosters. Going to go again through 10 observations from Week 16. And rather than talk waiver wire trades, I'm going to talk about the uh, waiver wire overall for the year and what are some of the best waiver wire moves that were made from a Dynasty perspective on the waiver wire this year. Let's start, though, with just 10 observations and some of the Dynasty implications from this last week. Uh, first, I'll say uh, working but not working. Working but not working. Uh, the Cardinals are on a three-game losing streak, but dynasty managers are not quite feeling the effects of the struggling offense during those games, except that is in the passing game. Uh, Kyler Murray is still producing for his dynasty managers, primarily based on what he's doing with his legs, though. And James Conner, and this week it was Chase Edmonds, are also producing for dynasty managers, but primarily because of how they're producing in the passing game. Uh, Connor had nine catches two weeks ago, and Edmonds had eight catch game on Sunday. Even though Murray's been, you know, checking down passes to his running backs and tight ends, uh, he's had his lowest completion percentage of of the whole season the last three weeks with 65, 65%, 56%, and then 62% this last week. Only the Cardinals wide receivers, however, are feeling the effects of Murray's struggles in the passing game. Uh, somehow the offense is working is not working rather, but it's still working for fantasy managers somehow. Next observation was uh, we'll call record performance. Joe Burrow had the game of his life throwing for 525 yards, which was the fourth most in the history of the NFL. And the Bengals pass catchers dismantled the depleted Baltimore secondary on Sunday. Burrow's record-setting day carried dynasty managers to victory along with the dynasty manager who had shares of his uh, targets. Um, this blow-up week instills, you know, immense hope for dynasty managers. I mean, the future is incredibly bright for the Bengals offense with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and even now Tyler Boyd, who's got back in the action the last two weeks. Uh, the Bengals offense is young, under contract, 
and every player's dynasty value has increased this season as it's progressed. I currently have Burrow, Mixon, and Chase, and Higgins all ranked among the top 12 in their position. Burrow, 7 for quarterbacks. Mixon, uh, 8 for running backs. Chase, number 1, and Higgins, number 11 among wide receivers. I'm not sure I've ever had four players on one team all ranked in the top 12 before. Uh, the Bengals are really poised to be one of the most productive fantasy offenses since I really think about it. I think probably like since the, the the greatest show on turf days with Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Tory Tory Holt, and Isaac Bruce. Um, they're you know that's the kind of offense that they're going to be. So everyone who's got a share of them should be extremely excited about not just this week but the very very bright future for the Bengals. Next, I'll call it the great unknown. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars roster depth chart hit are their their roster and their depth chart are among the most uncertain ones in the in the league. Uh, this offseason is going to reveal a lot about the future dynasty value of all of these players. Really, Trevor Lawrence is the only player on the roster whose dynasty value is not in the balance based on what they do this offseason. He's you know steady just because you know he's going to be their franchise quarterback. But the first step you know in the process is hiring a new coach. And after they hire a new head coach, the rest of the dominoes are going to fall from there. Uh, James Robinson, as you know, unfortunately tore his Achilles on Sunday, which means he will not be ready to return until at least midway into next season, if not much later. So now Travis Etienne has the open door to take hold of the starting running back position next season, but he's not going to be playing for the coach that drafted him, which is always a significant factor. And then the Jags wide receiver core, they've been messed up all this whole season. I doubt that there's going to be any clarity that's going to come until we actually witness this offense next season uh, actually playing NFL games. DJ Chark will likely not resign with the team. Marvin Jones is under contract, but he could easily get cut. LaVisca Chenault uh, has two years remaining on his rookie contract. Laquan Treadwell, of all people, (laughs) has played the best over the last five weeks, forcing the Jaguars to think about signing him to a new deal after his resurrected career, we'll call it. Uh, there's a buy-low opportunity with all these players, but man, it's going to be difficult to know what to do. I think I'd prefer to wait, uh, even maybe put some of them on the trading block you know, for managers that do want to take a chance on these players. Um, I would even take some future picks for some of those receivers just to see what would happen. Uh, picks are as likely to hit or miss you know, as these Jacksonville players are. It's going to be a really crazy offseason for them. Next thing I'll mention... Observation, I'll call it ramifications. See what I did there? Ramifications, talking about the Rams' backfield. So last week, the Rams actually activated Cam Akers, and they said that they think that he's going to be ready to play for them in the playoffs. If he returns that quickly from an Achilles injury, I would be amazed. Uh, But that's what they're saying, you know, for now. And then Sonny Michel has played ahead of Daryl Henderson the last few weeks, even after Henderson returned from his injury. Uh, Sonny's played really well, averaging 15 fantasy points per game over the previous four weeks. Michelle is clearly the best player to start in fantasy lineups next week in the fantasy Super Bowl, but the questions arise from considering the dynasty value of the Rams' backfield. Uh, Deontay Foreman of Tennessee has given hope to all running backs he's have who've had uh, Achilles surgery, uh, though he's had had years to recover. I'd be very surprised to see Aker in the playoffs, but his dynasty value would rise quickly if we do. Uh, the Rams have an opportunity to re-sign Michelle, whose 2022 contract was voided. Uh, when he was traded to the Rams, at least as far as I understand it. And then Michelle, the Michelle trade clearly shows that the Rams don't believe in Henderson. Uh, they don't believe that he can carry the full workload without getting injured, which has proven true this year. Um, he even got injured this last week. So the dynasty value of this backfield really hangs in the balance. 
you know, dynasty managers have to decide which players they should buy or sell. Um, I saw Akers traded for a second round pick in one of my leagues, though it really was the pick number 13. It was going to be the first pick of the second round, so pick number 13. Uh, that was what Akers went for in one of my leagues. And I was offered Henderson and Michelle for Brandon Cooks for a team trying to make a playoff run. Uh, but I declined after just thinking this this was just too uncertainty, too much uncertainty in this running back um, backfield for the Rams. There are going to be a lot of ramifications, as I say. I'm going to keep the puns going in my next observation. I'll call breaking the rules. Rules, meaning Matt Rule. <laughs> Matt Rule started his second uh, season in Carolina looking like he would really turn around the franchise like he did all the college programs that he did in the NCAA after he started the NFL season 3-0. Uh, however, Carolina's five-game losing streak so far to end the season has uh, fir- has him firmly on the hot seat. Uh, everything Rule's doing right now is not working, and it's causing a lot of confusion and uncertainty on the team and for dynasty managers with Panthers on their squad. Uh, Rule fired Joe Brady, uh, their offensive coordinator. He's rotated his quarterbacks, and this week even put Sam Darnold back on the field. Uh, since Christian McCaffrey's injury uh, and their first loss in week number four, the dynasty value of every Panther has steadily fallen under Rule's leadership. Uh, McCaffrey's return next season should provide the spark to the whole offense, uh, but the Panthers really need a new quarterback to bring DJ Moore's value back up, you know, to that top 20 conversation like he had been before. I currently have Moore ranked number 24 among my dynasty wide receivers. Robbie Anderson, he's fallen all the way to number 58. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, he'd be a very welcomed addition to this offense and fans um, and the fans nearest to Clemson, where he played his college ball, may be among the most forgiving of his indiscretions. Would be interesting to see if he could land in Carolina. They need a new quarterback to get that team going again. Next note, I'll call Giant Promise. Uh, this week, the Giants made clear that head coach Joe Judge and quarterback Daniel Jones will be back with the team next year, even though neither lived up to expectations this year. Uh, the Giants will have a hard time pointing to anything positive or or moving in the right direction this season. They just don't have much that they can point to. Uh, They have a host of injuries uh, to point to as excuses, including Daniel Jones himself being injured. Uh, But the excuses are just going to be that, excuses, if they don't win more games next season. Uh, The Giants have not extended Daniel Jones' contract, and they're probably glad that they did not after he showed little improvement this year. Uh, Even though the team surrounded him with new weapons, with Kenny Galladay, their prized free agent signing, and Kadarius Tony, their first-round draft pick, uh, they did nothing to make the Giants' management look uh, competent (laughs) this this season. Ironically, these signings are a part of why the Giants' top brass plan to bring back Joe Judge and and Daniel Jones, I believe, because they just don't want to admit their defeat. (laughs) So as bad as they look this year, I believe that they can improve uh, next season. I really do. I do think the rash of injuries is was you know insurmountable for this year. If Barkley, Galladay, Tony, and Jones are all healthy at the same time, which they just haven't been this entire year, I do think that there's room for improvement on this team and the players from a dynasty perspective. Uh, each of those four players, I think, will see a rise in their dynasty value once they get going uh, next season. So I'm yeah, actually a fan of this move to bring them both back and think that there can be improvement uh, as bad as they look this year. Next observation I'll call the rookie wall. Uh, After an incredible start to the season, Najee Harris appears to have hit the rookie wall. Uh, He's not played terribly, but he's just not producing like he did at the start of the season, which is what managers actually grew to expect after the start of the season. From week 2 to week 11, Najee averaged 17.5 points per game. 
but over the last six games, he's averaged 12.3 points per game, so a five-point decrease. In four out of the previous five weeks, he's had his lowest fantasy points of the season since week two. Uh, I still love Najee, and I have him ranked as my number four running back right now, uh, but his, his play has really leveled out. Uh, even so, he's still the fifth highest scoring running back coming into week, week 16. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's uh, not hit the rookie wall. He's hit the age wall, and so he's just not helping the offense right now. I think that's a significant factor in why Najee's production has been uh, decreased over the last six weeks. Big Ben is playing so badly, uh, but I don't believe that Najee's dynasty value will ever change Will change much next year, no matter who they bring as a starter, because ben, Big Ben is just not doing it himself. They can't bring in someone too much worse. However, if they stick with Mason Rudolph, uh, then I think his dynasty value will go down because Mason Rudolph is worse than Ben Roethlisberger, even at this point in his career. But I just don't believe that they're going to do that. Steelers are going to bring someone else in next year, uh, not stick with Mason Rudolph. Next thing I'll call uh, milling around. Keeping my puns going here. <laughs> milling around. Davis Mills. Uh, he's led the Texans to back-to-back wins. And he's playing well enough to force the Texans to think twice about drafting a quarterback in the first round. Uh, he's thrown four touchdowns over the last two weeks, thrown for 463 yards, and on Sunday he did all that without Brandon Cooks there. Uh, Mills was a top prospect coming out of high school, um, so he has a pedigree that's stronger than his third-round draft capital. Uh, the Texans now are going to have to think about all their options uh, this offseason. Their recent wins have moved them to, into drafting third currently if the, if the season were to end today and the Jaguars and Lions are ahead of them, and the Jets just behind them. And among those, the Jets and Jaguars drafted their quarterbacks of the future last year, so they're not going to be looking for a quarterback, though they may have a, uh, be willing to trade You know, with a team that wants to trade up to, to get a quarterback. Either way, I think the Texans uh, will have a shot to draft a top, a top two quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Uh, in addition, they still have Deshaun Watson as trade bait you know, for a quarterback or future picks. So with all that on their side, I still think that they're going to draft a quarterback. But Mills is at least making them rethink it, uh, think twice about their options. Uh, he has two more weeks, you know, to make their decision even harder. Uh, the best thing he could do is win more games so that the Texans' first-round draft pick is further up the board, um, and maybe they wouldn't have a quarterback that they could draft. That said, they play San Francisco and Tennessee, the next two opponents. I think they're going to make things a little bit harder than Jacksonville and the Chargers did in this two-game winning streak. Two more observations here. Uh, first one I'll call, next one I'll call um, quarterback problems. So frustrating. There's many players whose dynasty value is descending, but just because they don't have the quarterbacks that they need to unlock their talent. I'm thinking particularly about the Broncos and the Washington football team right now. As I already mentioned, the Panthers and Steelers should also be in, in, in that category. But Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, Noah Fant, and Javante Williams, they deserve a new quarterback next year. So does Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas. <clears throat> Until they get new quarterbacks, their dynasty value is really limited. It's frustrating. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Luck, Taylor Heineke, uh, they're good players and very competent backups in the NFL. Um, but they've just not proven that they can be you know, a starting quarterback. Uh, both teams know that they need a new quarterback, and that's why they you know, signed players in free agency last year. Denver with Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick with, with Washington. So they knew it going into the season, but it still just not worked. I think they're going to have to do so again this offseason. Washington may have a high enough draft pick uh, to get a quarterback, but Denver's likely going to have to try to do it only in free agency or via a trade with some of the quarterbacks that might be available. 
whatever these teams do this offseason, the dynasty value of their pass catchers should increase. Um, I would try to buy low on McLaurin and Judy and Sutton Fant right now. Uh, test the waters and see if any of their managers have lost hope in them after this kind of unproductive season. Things have to get better when they get a new quarterback. Last thing, a little bit more of an NFL thing, but talking to some about our fantasy playoffs. I'll call it anyone's game. Uh, don't you hate seeing lower-ranked seeds beat better teams in fantasy football playoffs? We know that it happens all the time, which is why many fantasy platforms are creating new systems to get the best teams in the playoffs or uh, to allow the best teams to advance in the playoffs. The most common change is to award the highest scoring team uh, left out of the playoffs you know, by record, uh, giving them the sixth seed in the playoffs. That's one of the ways that you try to level the playing field. Other leagues that I play in are have you know use all play records and winning percentages to you know to account for the playoff seeds. And some leagues don't actually play head to head in the first two rounds of the playoffs, like FFC FFPC. Uh, all four teams that enter the playoffs in week one and week two all play against each other, and the top two scoring teams advance uh, into the next rounds. I love these kind of changes and hopefully implement more of them in the leagues that I commish. Uh, that said, uh, if we're trying to make dynasty leagues more like the NFL, head-to-head is really the best way to go. I can already tell that this year's NFL playoffs are going to be wild. I think that lower-seeded teams are going to upset higher-seeded teams in the NFL playoffs, and I seriously doubt that both number one seeds that get the bye week are going to advance into the Super Bowl. At least one of them might not. Uh, we've already had some of the best teams you know, lay an egg this season and lose. And we've seen teams peak here at the end of the season after struggling early. Shoot, Miami from last night, seven-game losing streak, and now they're on a seven-game winning streak. First time that's ever happened in the NFL. And let alone the fact that COVID is going to play a factor and can mess up everything in the playoffs. Um, it's going to be a fun postseason. You know, fantasy games that we play, if you play any of those NFL playoff challenge, things like that, they're going to be harder and harder to predict because who knows who's going to make it to the NFL Super Bowl. Uh, just as we saw some upsets, I'm sure, in your leagues this week in your fantasy playoffs as well. Let's close today by just talking about some of the waiver wire editions, uh, top 2021 waiver wire editions. Uh, every year there are a few players that are added off the waiver wire that help dynasty teams win games or even championships sometimes. Sometimes these players become you know, valuable dynasty players that stay on the dynasty rosters for years to come. Uh, this was not the best season to find uh, dynasty gems off the waiver wire, but there were a few players that I think dynasty managers will be pleased to have on their rosters for years to come. So uh, this week, I re- reread all of my waiver wire articles that I post every year or every week, and I uh, wanted to look through it and see which were the best players that I recommended that actually made a difference uh, for this season or in the future. And here's a few that I came up with. Uh, first is Devonta Freeman. Uh, Freeman was a free agent in the NFL and in Dynasty Leagues to start the season, but he became a very reliable starter for Dynasty teams after signing with the Ravens and becoming their lead back by the end of the season. Uh, he was the most productive player found on the waiver wire in many leagues this season and was in starting lineups this week in the playoffs for sure. Uh, while he was the best <clears throat> player picked up this season, uh, his Dynasty value you know, is very uncertain. Uh, he's likely not to be with the Ravens next season after J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards both come back. Uh, they're the ones that are under contracts with it for the team. Uh, Freeman's proved enough, though, this season to get added to an NFL roster this offseason. Instead of being a free agent to enter the season like he was last year, I'm certain that he'll be added to a team. But I don't think he's going to be added to have a leading role. 
uh, with the team. Unless players in front of him get hurt, uh, he's not going to have that role. Uh, I think he's going to get signed this offseason, but only to be a backup. But it sure was good to have this season for those that made a run here at the end of the season, scoring another touchdown on Sunday. Uh, he was a, a waiver wire gem for this season. The rest of the players, though, that I'm going to mention here are, you know, back of the end of roster guys, but ones that you're going to really be excited about a little bit more from a dynasty perspective. First is the uh, next one is Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Bourne was the 28th highest ranked or highest scoring fantasy wide receiver headed into this week 16. So, you know, pretty solid wide receiver three as far as total points, but he's very tr- hard to trust, you know, in dynasty lineups week to week. He's uh, second on the, in the uh, on his team of the Patriots and wide receiver snaps and targets, but that's only amounted to 60 targets this season so far and 51% of the Patriots snaps. Uh, that said, he did hit, hold off Nikhil Harry uh, for the wide receiver two role all season, and he really has time to grow in the offense and build chemistry with his rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. Uh, he's signed through the 2023 season, and so he's going to have time to improve on this 28th ranked so far, you know, 28th ranked uh, scoring output this season. In the future, you know, Bourne really could be a player worth starting in a flex position on, on dynasty teams or, you know, during bye weeks or, you know, on dynasty rosters that are impacted by industry, uh, by injuries. Uh, Bourne could be a player that really makes a bit of a fantasy impact on our teams at the back of our starting lineup. <clears throat> Next player, another Bourne, we'll call it uh, KJ Osborne. Uh, managers added Osborne to Dynasty rosters after it became really clear that the Vikings' base offense was going to be 11 personnel, and Osborne uh, was the team's slot receiver in those sets. Osborne actually played 65% of the snaps so far this season for Minnesota, and so he's established himself clearly as a permanent role with the team. And what's more is that he becomes the wide receiver too, like he did this last week when Adam Thielen is injured, which sadly has been the case more often in recent years as Thielen continues to age. I think in the future, dynasty managers could start Osborne in a pinch or start him comfortably when uh, Thielen is out with an injury. Two more players here, Laquan, Laquan, Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> Sorry, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, Treadwell is a free agent at the end of the season, but he's played well enough this year uh, to re-sign with the Jaguars or get picked up by another team in free agency. Uh, he's yet to score a touchdown but he's become the most productive wide receiver in Jacksonville over the last five weeks, especially averaging eight fantasy points per game in that span. As I already said, um, the entire Jaguars roster is among the most uncertain in the NFL, but Treadwell's dynasty value has risen from the dead this season, uh, giving dynasty managers a glimmer of hope again after you know five years since he was drafted in the first round of our rookie drafts. Uh, he has a chance to do something, um, so I think he's a great late round pickup if you grabbed him off the waiver wire these last few weeks. The last person I'll mention as a you know waiver wire for 2021 was Tyler Conklin. Um, I believe that Conklin played well enough this season to challenge Irv Smith for a starting tight end role in Minnesota next year, and we'll soon find out whether the Vikings believe that too. Um, I know I started Conklin on my, on my team several times this season. Uh, you know He never became an every week starter, but he filled in when I needed him, and he's currently ranked the 16th highest scoring tight end on the season. Uh, Conklin is in the last year of his contract, while Irv Smith has one year left in his rookie deal. If Conklin is signed by the Vikings this offseason, he's a player worth keeping on Dynasty rosters, uh, but I'd likely drop him if he signs with another another team. That said, I think the Vikings are going to re-sign him, and he's going to compete with Irv Smith uh, for that starting, starting tight end role in Minnesota uh, for the future. Not many great waiver wire you know, additions this last year. 
last season, but there's been enough to, to make a little bit of a difference. Hope that's been fun for you to think back with me like I did on this last year and which of the players we got for free or, well, for a little bit of fab money and made an impact on our teams both this year and for the years to come. Well, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contact me, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better on email than Twitter, so I'd love to email, communicate with you. Hope that many of you, unlike myself, are in the Super Bowl for your league this last week. Uh, bring home the championship. would love to hear about it, so give me a contact. As always, I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.